A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel, heard this word of the Lord. At that time, there shall arise Michael, the great prince, guardian of your people. It shall be a time unsurpassed in distress since nations began until that time. At that time, your people shall escape everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some shall live forever. Others shall be an everlasting horror and disgrace. But the wise shall shine brightly like the splendor of the firmament. And those who lead the many to justice shall be like the stars forever. Verbum Domini.
A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, every priest stands daily at his ministry, offering frequently those same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this one offered one sacrifice for sins and took his seat forever at the right hand of God. Now he awaits until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has made perfect forever those who are being consecrated. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer offering for sin. Verbum Domini. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
but of that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Verbum Domini. We hear about two very significant events in the gospel today. First, our Lord foretells symbolically of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And for the Jews, the temple in Jerusalem was seen as the center of the universe, the meeting place of heaven and earth. On the veils in the temple, there were embroidered images of stars and constellations. And the seven lights of the menorah, which was that lampstand in the temple, those lights represented the sun, the moon, and the five known planets at that time. So with this in mind, perhaps we get a better sense of what our Lord was saying in foretelling the destruction of the temple. Again, he says in today's gospel, in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Again, we see this connection between the imagery in the temple and what our Lord's saying. Earlier in the same chapter, Mark 13, verse 14, our Lord's already warning of the destruction of the temple. And he says that when the rumors of wars begin, they should flee to the mountains. This is significant to show that Jesus is referring to the destruction of the temple at that moment and not the end of the world. As one commentator remarked, it doesn't make sense to tell people to flee to the mountains and the hills if it's the end of the world. That's not gonna do you any good to flee to the mountains. When our Lord comes, he's coming. Rather, our Lord again was foretelling the destruction of the temple that would occur in 70 AD. And when he said the current generation at the time would not pass away until those things took place, that's exactly what happened because within 40 years of his foretelling this, the Roman army came and did destroy Jerusalem and the temple. The other significant event that our Lord foretells today is the end of the world or a second coming. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And one quick point of clarification with regard to the knowledge of Christ and the end of the world. Pope St. Gregory the Great made it very clear this distinction between our Lord's human nature and his divine nature. His human knowledge, his divine knowledge. Pope St. Gregory the Great said that Jesus knew the day and the hour of his judgment in his human nature, but not from his human nature. Right? He's true God and true man. Similarly, when we hear in the beginning of St. Luke's Gospel, after our Lord disappeared for three days, was found in the temple, St. Luke tells us that when he went back with Our Lady and St. Joseph, that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Again, that's referring to his humanity and his human nature. Because as God, he's unchangeable, he's all-knowable, he's all-powerful. But in his human nature, he could learn wisdom. 
He learned experience as a carpenter from St. Joseph. And in line with this distinction between the knowledge he had regarding his second coming and his divine nature, the Catechism also references the Acts of the Apostles right before our Lord, after, right before he was going to ascend into heaven, where the apostles asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? And he replied that it was not for them to know the time or the season for that. In other words, Christ was not sent to reveal the time of his second coming. So the main point there is that we are to always be ready, to always be prepared. Now, if for some reason we had found out that the end of the world would be tomorrow, that our Lord was coming tomorrow, would we be rejoicing or would we be full of fear and anxiety? The Lord wants us to wait in joyful expectation of his coming, whether that's at the time of our own death or at his second coming. The early Christians had this joyful sense of expectation They greatly desired his second coming. That's why at the end of the book of Revelation, the second to last verse, we hear that Aramaic expression, Maranatha, come Lord, come Lord Jesus. They greatly wanted to see him come again. They wanted to be with him forever in heaven. We should have that same joyful desire in our hearts. Remember about eight or nine years ago, some of you may remember there was a a local woman here, Sylvia Reed, she was dying of cancer. The day before she died in the hospital, she told me, I just want to be with Jesus. She was ready. That joyful expectation, despite the physical suffering she was going through. But this is what the early Christians had. This is what we're all called to have, that joyful anticipation, that joyful expectation to see the Lord, to be with him in heaven. And the sense of joy and happiness is certainly present in the prayers for this Mass. In the Collect, we asked our Heavenly Father for the constant gladness of being devoted to Him. And we recalled that it's full and lasting happiness to serve Him in constancy. And at the prayer of the offerings, we will pray that we might gain the prize of everlasting happiness. And right before we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, the antiphon we will hear today is, to be near God is my happiness, to place my hope in the Lord. So if we're not joyfully anticipating or looking for the Lord's return for a second coming, why not? How do we overcome any fear that we might not be ready? One way is simply to try to live each moment as if it were our last. If we are living as if today were our last day, we would be more intentional in the way we prayed today. We'd be more intentional with the way we interacted with others. We'd probably try to be more patient and charitable toward them. And throughout our weekday, if we again lived each day as if it were our last, we'd be more intentional in carrying out our responsibilities, our duties. If we were living each day as if it were our last, we would not be caught off guard. We would not be terrified to, see, to meet the Lord. And if we were living each day as if it were our last, we'd probably be less likely to fall into grave temptation, especially since we would be expecting to see the Lord very soon. I think it may have been St. Francis de Sales. I can't remember exactly if it was him or another saint. 
but he had mentioned with regard to a grievous temptation that he had been suffering through. He said, how would I react to this if I were on my deathbed? If I knew I was gonna see the Lord very soon, it'd be much easier to say no, to renounce the temptation. And it can also be helpful to live each mass as if it were our last mass. We can do that for the rest of this mass. If I knew that I was going to die today or that Jesus would come again today, later today, I would give my best effort to really enter into this mass, to pray with all my heart, to let the prayers of this mass sink into my heart and to receive the body and blood of the Lord with as much love as possible. That's something that we certainly can do at every mass. And it's helpful as we recall what we heard in the second reading from the letter to the Hebrews, that by one offering, our Lord perfects those who are sanctified or who are being consecrated. This is a reminder that at mass, we not only worship God, the mass is not only offered for the atonement of our sins, but we're made holy, we're sanctified at mass through the sacrifice of the mass being offered it sanctifies us. So do we have this joyful anticipation that Jesus is calling us to have? Of course, regular use of the sacraments, particularly regular confession and receiving Holy Communion will greatly strengthen us, greatly prepare us. So we pray that the Lord might root out any fear in our hearts to see him and that he might help us to perhaps live differently than we have up to this moment especially if he's prompting us in our hearts to make any changes or adjustments, to remove any obstacles to his grace. In the meantime, we're called to continue seeking holiness and growth in the spiritual life and in virtue, especially faith, hope, and charity, that we might be well prepared to meet him when he comes.